And now, a bit of romance. Two girls on a quest to find which rom-com is the best. P.S. I love rom-coms. I love rom-coms. Hello, and welcome to P.S. I Love Rom-coms, the podcast about matchmaking, hearts aching, and carriages breaking. <laughs> We're your hosts. I'm Allie. And I'm Mia. P.S. I Love Rom-coms is a rom-com review podcast where each week, Allie and I open our little book of riddles and try to puzzle out this exceedingly difficult one. Which rom-com is the best rom-com of all time? For the month of August, we've decided to do something special and celebrate one of the rom-com's founding mothers, Jane Austen. And P.S. I Love Rom-coms is Austin August. Over the next couple of weeks, we plan on watching a movie adaptation from every one of Jane's six novels. So grab your bonnets and hop into your carriages because we're about to get lost in some Austin, baby. Woo! Woo! <laughs> Join- <laughs> Joining us today to celebrate Jane are three Janeites and the authors and illustrators of the incredible and beautiful book, Jane Was Here. And if they were the- in the world of Austin, they would be a mixture of Catherine Moreland for their love of romantic literature and Mrs. Croft for their love of travel. You guys, we are joined by Nicole Jacobson, Lexi K. Nielsen, and Devin Dayton. Hello. Hi. You guys, you guys, we are so excited to have you on. I just want to say before we jump into the first segment that um, I got your guys' book, Jane was here for my mom as a birthday present. But then as I was wrapping it, I kept reading it. And then I got so jealous that my mom was about to have this beautiful book that I then went and just bought one for myself. Um, like a true psychopath. Um, but you guys, it is such a beautiful book. It's so fun. It's stuffed with facts. And um, for all you listeners, check it out. It's a comprehensive illustrated guide to Jane Austen's England. Um, and after reading it, my mom and I were like, we have to go to England and we have to take this book with us and we have to go to all the places. So um, thank you guys for uh, inspiring that trip that will happen <laughs> once, you know, um, everything with the pandemic cools down a bit more. <laughs> we're so yes. excited for you to take that trip. Oh my <laughs> gosh, it's a good one. It's crazy because we've, we've been like talking about the on the podcast doing Austin August that it's like it just like w- going through all the adaptations does make you want to go on a tour of Jane's England. And so that the fact that this is a resource and it's so beautiful and fun is we're so exciting and we're so happy to have you guys on the podcast to geek out about Austin with you all. We are so excited to be here. Seriously, we could talk about this all day. So thank you. <laughs> Yay! Now, Nicole, Lexi, and Devin, we like to start off each episode with a little segment called Which Rom-Com Hero Slash Heroine Are You Channeling? Where we equate the experiences we've had this week with the famous rom-com hero or heroine. But for Austin August, we're switching it up a bit, and we are sticking to characters that are only in Austin novels. Um, and I can start us off this week. Oh my gosh! Okay, so this week um, I'm channeling Mrs. Weston um, from Emma, uh, specifically uh, the moment in the novel where Mrs. Weston gets a letter from uh, Frank Churchill, and um, then it's like everyone in the party proceeds to read it and comment on it and she's like okay now what do you think of the letter what do you think of the letter and everyone's like okay I think he's got great penmanship and then other people are like wow so like what like great like verbiage like what you know he writes in such a like wonderful way and I'm channeling her because I just 
started um I met someone on Hinge that I, <laughs> okay. I mentioned a couple of times on the pod and we've been messaging a lot and um uh he is a I'll say it he's a turtle scientist and so <laughs> he, um I'll say it I'll admit it um and so he He's been texting me a lot of really cute photos of him with reptiles. And uh, by God, as soon as I get those photos, I like quick text them to all of my friends being like, oh, look how look how cute this boy is with his reptiles. Um, and so and then I have to get all of their comments on it. Um, and so, yeah, I um I, I feel like a very proud aunt, I guess, um, <laughs> in a weird way. Uh, but that's who I'm channeling this week. Um, Mia, who are you channeling? Ooh, well, this week I am channeling none other, and I try not to, but I am channeling Lizzie Bennett. Um, in that, you know, she's the OG manic pixie um, dream <laughs> dream heroine in that she just loves, the girl loves a walk, which is so crazy. <laughs> and, and Crazy. <laughs> And you have a carriage. You have horses. Like, and Why she's are you like, walking? I like to walk. And so, <laughs> and so, and I think like, you know, she's also she's walking to be irreverent, and she's walking because it's like stressful to be a woman in the world. And that's sort of like one of the only freedoms you're allowed. And you know, to be like, I'm going to do this. I'm in the country, and it's where I get solitude. And I have sort of been like working slash traveling for. There was, it was literally a run of eight days straight and I was like holding it together really well. And all of a sudden, like on day nine, I was like, and now I'm cuckoo. Um, and my only recourse because it is pandemic and because I'm like bouncing around multiple cities. So I don't have like all my belongings and all my things and my dog. So I was like, the only thing I can do <laughs> to sort of like rebel against this schedule is just like go <laughs> on long sort of like manic walks. <laughs> Um, through the city and it's like hot and I also like you know how like when she shows up at the Bingley's and they're like oh my gosh she looks crazy and it's like I yeah. like half okay it's like I wear like my athlete my cute athlete outfits but then I wear a giant hat because I don't want to be like burned so anyone who encounters me like I look like a crazy person and I don't care because I'm a manic pixie dream Austin heroine, and also I don't want um, I want to shield my face from the sun. So um, that's why I'm. Trying I imagine. To... I imagine you like walking by really like fancy like aristocratic like very like uh, very fancy cafes and people being like do you see that girl i swear to god be like someone did comment i like it's a whole story that i can't even get into but what this one guy was like as soon as i saw you in that hat like i knew you were a certain type of way you know and i just was you like you were like other girls <laughs> you're different exactly, than other girls you, yeah you wear a big hat and i'm like famous for having no idea like what i'm wearing like says about me you know so I just was like, sure, whatever, whatever you think this says, that's correct. I just, it's the biggest hat I could find that people don't like openly laugh at me for wearing. Um, so that's two. I am channeling. Nicole, who are you channeling? Well, I think I have to say Jane Bennett and that's because <gasps> oh, yeah. this last weekend. So there's this guy that I've been kind of hanging out with for like a monthish, but like, it's like half dates and like a confusing and we don't really know what's going on. But I mm. um, was hanging out with some friends and he was there on Saturday and my friend texts me in the car and she just says, he is Charles Bingley. And I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> oh my God. 
I was like, I guess that makes me a uh, Jane. And he's about to like leave and like he's only here temporarily. Mm. So it's like, mm, and aren't you about to London, go to London? I guess. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I am supposed to go to London in September. What? We'll see if that happens. So. Oh my gosh, that's so Jane. And will he know yes. that you're there? And will, or will you not <laughs> know that you. he doesn't know? Well, he will not be there, but. <laughs> Classic. Classic baby. Anyway. Um, yeah, I think it's the curly hair, honestly. That's what made her think <laughs> it. But <laughs> Wow, that's an incredible and a true um, channeling of Jane. Um, yes. Incredible. Yeah. Like, Lexi, who are you channeling? I am channeling Miss Bates. And I surprise myself <laughs> when I say that I'm channeling Miss Bates. But it's because um, it's been pandemic. I I moved with my husband to Baltimore just like right at the height of COVID and we did not make friends forever. Right. And then we haven't uh, had, we've finally like made friends. We're doing great. Um, no one comes over to our apartment and I've made it all cute. <laughs> Anyways, where I'm going with this is we finally had friends over to our apartment. And I, when I was watching Emma and Miss Bates is like, Oh my gosh, Jane's here. Emma's here. <laughs> here. Is here. Like, isn't this fun? I was like, aren't we having fun? And I was like, so when I was watching that, I was like, that was me when we had friends over. That was, that was my reaction. I'm imagining you with like a scone and you like start to give it to them. And then you're like, Oh wait, I forgot the napkin. And then you go back. And then oh you- my God. Well, I, I whipped out peaches and cream. We're like, let's watch a movie. And I was like, let me make peaches and cream with these peaches oh I found at a market. Yeah. It was, it was oh. unreal. I've never made peaches and cream. I just Google it. <laughs> and I was like, please eat those peaches and cream that I just baked for you. Oh my God. Yeah, That's it was, incredible. It was, it was bad. Maybe it was good. I don't know. <laughs> Will they come back? I don't know. <laughs> That's amazing because truly like the pandemic has reduced us to like Austin level socializing. Oh, where yes. Our last guest, Caitlin Hempstead, like brought up an infamous tweet that like, so Austin novels are just like white people visiting each other's homes. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, during the pandemic, that is like sort of the most, um, that's sort of the deal. Thing. Um, yeah. yeah. There's a lot of picnicking going on. It's a yeah, lot of yeah. like, let's go hang out in a park and just talk until our mouths fall off. <laughs> go on walks. Yeah. <laughs> go on observe walks. nature. Observe nature. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, and then Devin, last but not least, who are you channeling? Okay, I am channeling Mr. Woodhouse, so Emma's dad. <laughs> because literally this week, I was talking to my husband, Taylor, and I am such a hypochondriac right now because of COVID. <laughs> like, so I live in Texas, and so things are getting kind of crazy with the Delta variant. And so, like, mm. if I even, like, cough because I'm thirsty, I'll be like, oh, my goodness. I have COVID or some, like, I just am assuming I'm sick at all times when really I'm vaccinated. I'm fine. Like I know I'm healthy. So I'm channeling Mr. Woodhouse because I always think I'm sick. Yes. Um, so reasonable right now with everything that's so happening. So reasonable. Oh man. <laughs> oh, yes. Mr. I have constant Mr. Woodhouse energy where I'm always <laughs> like, I had a headache today and I was like, oh, I'm pretty sure I had a brain aneurysm. Like I feel like I must have just had a small 
brain aneurysm and then I heard of something called micro strokes where you can no. just get oh, tiny no. little strokes. No, don't teach me. And I was like, oh my God, maybe I just had a micro stroke. And here's the thing, you guys, I never bothered to even look up if micro strokes were a thing. I just was like, somebody mentioned it. I was like, that's got to be real. And I must have like at least one a day. Um, so totally uh, imbibing uh, with you, Devin, and your Mr. Woodhouse energy. Ugh, glad I am not alone because sometimes I go crazy. <laughs> oh my gosh, no. And well, speaking of Mr. Woodhouse, let's get into our movie discussion, shall we? Um, this week we watched the 1996 adaptation of Emma. In this adaptation of Jane Austen's beloved novel, pretty socialite Emma Woodhouse, played by Gwyneth Paltrow, entertains herself by playing matchmaker for those around her. However, Emma's attempts at matchmaking cause more problems than solutions and may ultimately jeopardize her own chance at love and happiness with Mr. Knightley, played by Jeremy Northam. This film was adapted and directed by Douglas McGrath. And, little fun fact for us all, before Jane began the novel, Austin wrote, I'm going to take a heroine whom no one but myself will much like. And I just think it's really cool that, like, even then, she was writing characters that, uh, like, unlikable female characters, which even now uh, we still struggle to do. Um, mm -hmm. And back then she was, like, already writing them. And then I found this bit about her talking about um, Anne Elliot one of her last heroines and she described her as a heroine who's almost too good for me Ugh. um so yeah. i just think that's um really cool like the uh hearing jane talk about her her heroines um so there's a little fun fact to warm us up but uh now to begin our discussion i'm gonna throw it to nicole lexi and devin um we'd love to hear your guys's history with jane austen um, and maybe hear a little bit about the locations where Emma was filmed as well. Okay. Well, I'll start off. And I, so my relationship with Jane Austen started when I was super little and it was kind of superficial, superficial. It was just like watching the movies and listening. I did a lot of speech and drama as a kid. Um, and so I would listen to the books, um, and then watch the movies with my mom and sisters, just so I could kind of understand language, how they were acting during those times. And so that's how I really came about. And then I fell in love with Kira Knightley's Pride and Prejudice. Mm. And me and my roommates, one, which was Lexi, would watch it all <gasps> the time. So that's how we kind of became obsessed. And at that point, I'm like, all I need is a field and rain and a trust fund. And <laughs> I, got, I got two of the three. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's, that's incredible. That's amazing. I relate to that so much. <laughs> um, uh, Lexi, how did how did you first get introduced to Jane Austen? Also, so fun that you guys, uh, a little past history, that you guys were roommates. Well, get this. Mm -hmm. You're going to love this part. When we were relating to Jane, I was going to say it then. Um, Devin, not unlike Emma, actually set me up with my husband. So <gasps> that's another little tidbit. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. Yeah, pretty crazy. I um, know. It's my only successful <laughs> setup. <laughs> Which you will hear a lot about later. But she tried oh my a lot. Gosh. That's incredible. Um, yeah, we can thank Devin for so many things. Um, <laughs> my introduction introduction to Jane Austen was actually I really did not like reading until yeah. high school. And so, mm. uh, and then I had friends who were like, you love dress up. You really should watch Pride and Prejudice. So I was like, no, I'm a tomboy. I thought I was a tomboy. I don't think I really was. I just think that I 
really did not want to be considered girly. So I was like, I'm not into Jane Austen. Well, we read um, Pride and Prejudice in um, the 11th grade. And I was like, this is amazing. And then I watched the movie. um, And then I was like totally head over heels. And then I was roommates with Devin. And we would watch, we would watch Pride and Prejudice all the time. And then I read the novels. Um, and that is when we decided to do uh, the book. So that is kind of my Jane Austen history. <gasps> wow. Oh my God. Oh, that's so cool. Oh, I love that. Um, and then Nicole, uh, what, what's your relationship like with Jane Austen? Yeah, I started, um, let's see, I, it goes back to when, like, I think I was probably 10 or a little younger and my mom would watch um, the BBC Pride and Prejudice all the time and I would sit there in her room with her and watch it and um I loved it and I was like I picked up the book one day and was like wait this is like exactly the same it's amazing (laughs) um and so (laughs) I think I read Sense and Sensibility after that and um I kind of got reintroduced to my love for Jane Austen when Lexi reached out to me um we went to the same university and she asked if I wanted to be part of this project to write a Jane Austen travel guide because they needed someone to write it. And I um, was in the English department and had spent a lot of time in England. Um, (sighs) And so we um, started writing the book, doing the research and the whole summer before we went to England, I just like read and watched everything there was to uh, read and watch. (laughs) And um, when we were there is when it really like, sunk in for me like going to all the places that Jane Austen lived but also the filming locations for lots of her um Mm -hmm. film adaptations of her novels it was just like wow this woman is amazing she was so ahead of her time and just someone that I really wanted to to learn everything about um and then for to comment on your question about the filming locations for Emma um I don't think since there I think we've seen, I've seen like four adaptations of Emma and I think we have places from all the other three, but not this one, unfortunately. (laughs) Yeah. Because a lot of the places are um, like not open to the public. And so you can't just like go visit, but we went by um, like Box Hill in Surrey. And I think that they might have filmed there. They definitely did for some of the other ones and um, lots of, lots of other um, Emma adaptation locations, just not this film. Oh my gosh. That's so <laughs> funny. That's, that's yes. That's, and that makes sense that like, yes, there are so many adaptations for each of these, especially Emma. So it makes sense. You can't mm-hmm. get them all. Yeah. How, like having, like having written a book on the subject, like how does the 1996 Emma sort of stack up for you guys? Um, for, for me, it was like, that was like my, I mean, I saw Clueless first and then I saw Emma when I was like a kid growing up, but I never, I didn't connect that they were the same story until a few years ago. So the Gwyneth Paltrow Emma has been my Emma, like my whole life. <laughs> so I'm curious, yeah, having like sort of spent so much time getting lost in Austin, um, like Devin, how, how, does, how does the 1996 Emma feel for you? <laughs> oh my goodness. I have so many feelings about this. <laughs> I... Okay, I love the 1996 Emma. And this is because I resonate a lot with Emma. And I feel like she's the most likable in the 1996. (laughs) I I actually think I am Emma just in the 20th century. And so I just love everything that Gwyneth Paltrow does. I feel like in the 1996, 
Emma, it's very apparent, like she's naive and she says things at the wrong time and she messes up a lot, but it's not because she's a bad person. It's just, she doesn't know any better. Whereas I feel like the other ones, Mm -hmm. she's like snooty and like, oh my gosh, I'm so much better than you. Where in the 1996 one, I feel like it's a (laughs) lot more just like, she's just naive and says stupid things and just wants, like she sincerely wants her best friend to fall in love with someone. And that's really like, she's not, she doesn't think she's better than her best friend. She just wants her best friend to fall in love. And so personally, I feel like it's the most like Jane Austen like, because I feel like Jane Austen is the best, best, best friend ever. And that she's just portraying Emma in the 1996 one. Like Emma is a great friend. She has the best intentions. Mm-hmm. Things just don't like work out the way she plans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I feel like it captures the spirit of like her. Um, it's like she's trying to do the best thing she thinks, and it's but she is like cloaked in privilege and ignorance, and so it's like yeah, because mm-hmm. but it's not like uh, an intentional calculated like calculated manipulation. Um, and I think that's definitely clear in this one. Um, Lexi, what about you? How does the nineteen ninety six Emma stack up for you? Okay, so I I like it. Here's the thing: I think I'm going to say something a little controversial. I my favorite Emma is the 2019 version. And I know, Amazing. I know the feelings about that one in this room. And so, so it's it's just funny because I. Um, I saw that one and I was like, this is my Emma. And I watched the Gwyneth Paltrow one and I so dissimilarly to Devin, I'm like, I don't, I can't really relate to her, but I, for whatever reason, relate to the kind of like, kind of snobby, kind of like, um, I wouldn't call myself snobby, but I think she's just kind of like, anyways, we don't have to talk about the 2019 version right now, but um, no, let's talk about it. We should definitely talk about it. Yeah, we're we're always talking about it as two people who had never seen it, and then Allie finally saw it. You have to, you have to. I watched it because I like um, chat talk it it in our Clueless episode, and it was so unfair of me because I hadn't seen it, and I was like, who are you, Allie, to be like, trust me, this one is not as good. Um, Here's the thing. Oh, yeah. no, sorry, you go ahead. I, oh, I no, 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 please, you. Um, well, I was just going to say, I think that, like, I had seen the only time that I'd ever seen Emma was actually when we were preparing for a trip. So I had, um. I had, like, read Emma, but I hadn't, like, really seen it. I didn't grow up with it. It wasn't like, I've been watching this forever. I'm super nostalgic with it. Nothing like that. And I think that when I saw the 2019 Emma, it was after I had read all of Jane's novels, had gone on the trip, had, like, fallen in love, love, love with Jane Austen. And then I saw like that Emma and that was the one that like, I was like, this is, mm-hmm. I, I can hear Jane Austen talking to me. Yes. Um, and so I think that that's mm-hmm. where like, if, if you, if you're the other way around, if you, you know, the Gwyneth Paltrow was like your first, like, Oh, Jane Austen. Um, I can see how the 2019 one would like be cringy or like be like, this is not Emma. So that's kind of where I'm coming from. Totally. But I do have to say the newer Emma, I think is like, so beautiful like yes. all the colors all the colors like mm-hmm. if you watch it you're like okay I want to dress up right now so I would say like <laughs> it's a lot yeah. prettier than the 1996 it's just Emma I, for me is not as nice you know what I also <laughs> think though there's something in terms of like it being an adaptation not like a word for word mm, yeah. yeah like here's the book here's the movie it's the exact same I loved that um 
Autumn DeWild was like, let's have some funky country music in here. Like, let's have some, like, <laughs> I loved the music styling because it was like, it was, it was refreshing. Like I was like, I got to look at Emma with a, like new eyes and it felt very true to the book at the same time. But it also was kind of like, here's kind of what I as Autumn DeWild am saying about what Emma means to me, which I appreciated. Yeah, that, that is something that like I... Because uh, it's really fun in your guys' book, you have like a "What J Knight are you?" and I'm really like trying to like let go of like my purist kind of um, Jane Austen take and try to like be a little bit more open minded. Um, me and I have gotten into um, a full on fist fight. Just kidding. Um, a small <laughs> argument about about like clueless and you know whether or not it's a better you know, right. how clueless is as an adaptation. And, and I'm trying to open my mind more <laughs> about like that, um, that it is good that like we have, you know, new artists coming in and like giving fresh takes on these stories because there have been so many film adaptations mm -hmm. about, mm -hmm. you know, uh, of, of Jane's books and that we, we should, yeah, that we see new things in them when mm -hmm. people, actually are putting a spin on it and putting a take on it right. and are not just trying to adapt it straight from the book. Like I, when I saw the 2020 version, something that it really, you know, brought out for me was how the humor, there was just like mm -hmm. so much fun to be had. And I also realized how young Emma was like something mm -hmm. about Anya Taylor yeah. Joy's kind of like performance. I was like, Whoa, that's right. Emma's like 21 in the book. Right. Yeah, she's like, so very, very very young um and that like is part in her privilege her her youth and her privilege mm -hmm. really came out in the 2020 version which i um uh, saw more clearly than i did when i watched uh the 1996 version oh, okay i'll have to watch it mm -hmm. instead of just continuing to talk shit about it without ever it's so sad that i love hbo max unfortunately but i will watch it um, oh, no. Nicole, Nicole, where do you where do you line up on the Emma adaptation debate? Well, I have not heard anyone mention the Romola Garai BBC version, which is a you know <laughs> three episode or four episode miniseries. <laughs> and I, I'll, I have to admit, the Gwyneth Paltrow one is like a little further down on my list. Fair. I actually have not seen the Kate Beckinsale one, which came out the same year. Probably it was very overshadowed by Gwyneth Culture and nobody really talks about it. But um, I do love the 2021 because I think it's just so fun to watch. Mm -hmm. um, and I feel like it really digs into the like messiness of character of all the characters. And you can really see that shine through. And, and I love that. But I also love the um, 2009 Romola Garai one because I feel like she embodies some of that youthfulness as well of the character. Um, and like the playfulness too. So mm. I do love though um, the Gwyneth Culture one because it is like, it feels like the classic <laughs> um, mm -hmm. since it is the first one I saw and all of that, but I, I'm all for a fresh take. Yes, yes. That, nice. that all resonates with me. And I, yeah, I, I haven't seen the Romola Garai one. I have to see that. That one is actually on HBO Max, I think still. So I think mean, all three were oh, on nice. there. Okay, so I have to go watch that next. Um, 
I, yeah, it's, this is hard for me. I, especially with like Austin stuff, I have a really hard time separating nostalgia from like taste. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, I watched this movie before I could understand like narrative plot. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like it's just so (laughs) in my like deep, deep consciousness. Um, And I actually watched, I, I feel like I'm going insane because I watched it for fun like maybe a month or two ago and then we watched Clueless and then I watched it again so I feel like I'm like my brain is like sort of doing like a beautiful mind forever where like this time I was like ah, I see now that Dion was also Mrs. Weston <laughs> having like all these realizations but um and this is interesting because Ali and I are learning a lot about ourselves because we after over a year of watching a rom-com every single week together we sort of like learned each other's preferences you know where it's like Ali's like a lot about the romance I love a 50-50 even rom-to-com ratio and like those are the things uh, that are gonna wow yes. us and for me when it comes to Austin adaptations I love like a janky uh like sort of like BBC like old tech yeah. looking aesthetic and <laughs> poorly lit <laughs> Mia likes poorly lit movies oh, right. and this movie did with, not with a heavy <laughs> like a heavy a lot of medium close-ups Mia doesn't I like love, wide shots no I love there were two weird cuts in this movie I noticed <laughs> Odd cuts. some really weird like like dramatic whip pans <laughs> mid Shot. Yeah, it was like, real. <laughs> be like here and then like dramatic whip pan and somebody would like give a one-liner <laughs> right right and that's my jam that's my absolute jam um and especially like again you have to shout out to the fake candle uh flickering in this adaptation i love that i love an obviously fake candle it makes nothing makes me happier and feel like i'm in my bedroom in the 90s um <laughs> so i love i do love the aesthetic it's like all pink and blush and like chintzy and I love that um and then let you know but you know what it's it's coming out through a lot of the adaptations it's like the humor and the games that are in oh, Austin's yeah. book like the the game where like Emma's at the party trying to hear yeah. Mr. Weston talk about Frank's oh, letter yeah. and uh, yes. Mr. Elliot keeps interrupting um <laughs> and also just being like god women have been <laughs> Like dealing with that shit for two hundred years. Yes. Yes. People yes. not reading our body language at parties. It's so great. I mean, it's sad. It's sad, but it's you know what I mean. There's a you know because you, you could read the body language. Um, totally. So yeah, so that's where. But that's where I'm at with it, Alia. How do you how do you feel about the 1996 Emma? Yeah, I. I'm with you, Mia, that this is a version I grew up with, so mm-hmm. I'm, like, the most fond of it. Um, but now after... Why, like, I, I do see m- more merit in the 2020 version or the 2019 version, but... Um, and I haven't even seen the older versions of Emma, but um, something I will say, though, in my argument to why I think this is, um, like, maybe my favorite is because the i think the men are the best in this movie mm, like i think yeah. both knightley and churchill um frank churchill are the best in this like i think ewan mcgregor does a really good um job as frank churchill even though i read in an interview somewhere that he was like i wish i wouldn't have taken this role it's like okay oh, no. ewan just because of the wig <laughs> right yeah. 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 calm down check your ego you were good in it like calm down yeah he, does. Uh, he was he was he was a good frank churchill i did not like the frank churchill 
in the 2020 version. I don't know what choice he was him. making. I love him. <laughs> I love him so much. He's got like weird, like, like oh, he's so bizarre. energy. He's, he's so, so weird. He's so bizarre. I, that's why I love it though. It's like, I just really love that in a film. I love me a, just a weird film. So I, I respect your opinion. I respect it, but I will say I love Elton in the new one. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, Allie and oh. I cannot handle the nightly in the 2020 version only because we've seen him in this movie where he plays like a murderer. Oh, <laughs> I haven't no. seen that. Yeah. I think if I had seen that movie, I would not, I would probably be in your camp as well, but I haven't seen it. So this is the first time I saw him and I was like, okay, it's fine. So you can enjoy him. But yeah. he's like not, yeah. I just wanted him to be, more, this is going to sound horrible and so judgy. I just wanted him to be like more attractive. Like his sideburns <laughs> were killing me. I and agree. in the 1996 one, I, I wanted to marry Mr. Knightley. And in this one, I'm like, does have a good personality. That's true. And I was like, <laughs> so okay, like, we, we can do it. Like, not that Clueless is like, I mean, but it is like Clueless is so, so Emma. And it's like to have Paul Rudd be yeah. Knightley in Clueless is oh. like, well, oh, that's yeah. standard. Yeah, you gotta you gotta deliver (laughs) right i will the 1996 (laughs) version nightly reminds me of paul rudd like i double took yes like is that they look they look similar which is the hair the nose yeah 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 Yeah, he's like paul rudd and colin first like mixed up which is perfect for me that's what we want oh oh go ahead Oh, I was just going to talk about Mr. Knightley more because I love him so much. I do. <laughs> Me too. I think he's like the best. What are they called? Hero, I guess. Love in interest. The, love interest. Love interest. Yeah. And, and all of them. Like, he's the most yes. likable. He's like straight up. He knows how to have a conversation. Yeah. He like yeah. puts her in her place, which yep. I feel like is so important in a relationship. Yeah. And he like appreciates her. They have a friendship before falling in love. Mm-hmm. It's like this it's like a modern day love story we all want, but it was yeah. in the 1800s. Like this is, this is, this is perfect. That's, that's so He's true. perfect. He's yeah. I literally, it's so crazy to be like, it's 2020. I, I was sitting watching this with my two roommates. And when we get to that, like final um, exchange of speeches, like between them, as they're getting together, spoiler alert, they do get together. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, all, it was like all three of us just had like our hands over our hearts and like in different times, <laughs> each woman exclaimed to, to nobody, not each other, just, I want someone to say that to me. You know, just like, no. just like wow, that resonates so hard uh, 200 years later. I'm about yeah. to say something that might be like really, really like controversial oh. and it might be like, I might, you might all be like really mad about me saying it, but I'm going to say it. Let's hear it. Oh, Do ready. we, and I don't even agree with what I'm saying, but I'm going to say it anyway. <laughs> Do we think that Mr. Knightley groomed Emma? <gasps> oh. I'm so sorry. Wait, I okay. No, I don't. Go, 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 Nicole. I I was going to say, I don't feel it. I mean, it feels like he's like waiting. Like, okay, that makes it sound crazy too. (laughs) (laughs) Let's take the lead because a little bit, because maybe because of that. Like, he he recognizes it might be a little. And he, she says, I noticed, like, she says, it's not like we're brother and sister. And he's like, that's right. Like, (laughs) let her, like, get to that conclusion first before, like, pushing her toward. I don't know. I don't feel like yeah. pushy at all. I think yeah, no, that's, that's a, a good point. Yeah, in the 1996, I can definitely see where that could be seen. In the 2000, I feel like they seem a lot closer in age. But yeah, 
Uh, I do feel like in the 1996. Oh my gosh, don't say that. That makes me feel so sad. Also, time context, which is to say, obviously, it could have meant that just women were just like just more consistently victims to grooming during this time. However, I would say the intention. I would say the intention of Jane Austen's sort of original work, and that they're 16 years apart, is yeah, I'm I am partial to what Nicole is saying, where I do feel like Mm -hmm. he does the thing by sort of like respecting her, like he doesn't like nag her romantic choices in front of her right which i feel yes. like it's like something like like a groomer would do right like he's, he he will more like <laughs> make behavioral choices and like yeah does it feel a little daddyish sometimes yes but also there's a maturity gap. <laughs> but it's also why we like it, also kind of like it. <laughs> um, but I, agree. I feel like it's a question you must address and you must answer and i feel like the reasons i'm okay with it which i would normally not be but it's like <laughs> yeah 16 year gap obviously like yes not not amazing when you're so young and blah 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 but um for the time probably appropriate so maybe time yeah, is that more like a five-year gap now <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah what, is the, what is the equivalent uh, yeah, yeah she's also of age like she's what 21 so she's like, like, yeah, she's like yeah. 18 so or she's not a teenager 16. at yeah. least yeah, she's older than of age. Yeah, so she's really yeah. Yeah. yeah, she's like getting into, you know, yeah, like what they would consider sort of like her spinster Absolutely tragic. 21 year olds are so hot. Uh, <laughs> on the edge. But this is a different time. And then um, yeah, and I I like Nicole's point in that he just like doesn't push her there. And then she yeah. gets there on her own. She gets there on her own. Okay, thank okay, thank you guys for hearing me out and like kind of like uh, <laughs> talking like, you down. Talk me down. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was like on the edge. I was like scared. I was like, this can't be true. But, okay, good. Yeah, good to but, know. But I'm, I, I'm with he's you. He's my favorite. He's my favorite. I think Austin love interest as well because he is. I mean, so emotionally stable. Yeah. <laughs> like we Rare. just we, Rare. we just um, revisited Persuasion, and it's like, oh. yeah, Captain Wentworth in that is like full on flirting with like Louisa and Henrietta in front of Anne, and it's messed up. Yeah, he's mm-hmm. just being like yeah. really like a, like a huge fucking asshole because he's he's upset, but it's been eight years, and it's you know, and he's older as well. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah, it's nice to have an emotionally stable hero. Yeah. Um, who's also like like modeling like i think like a lot of like the values that like jane austen has at that time which is like merit over aristocracy and oh, true. yes and like wanting to treat people well regardless of their station um mm-hmm. oh yeah isn't that that's my favorite well you guys don't even know i'm talking about my favorite part of the whole <laughs> emma is when he says, badly done, Emma, badly done. Oh, yes. Yes, 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 yes. Oh, my gosh. And that's when I'm like, I love him. He is such a good person. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like, yeah. I feel like any other guy would be like, oh, yeah, you are so right. She's so annoying. But he's like, that yeah. is so rude. You don't even realize what you were doing. And she knew it. And I feel like that mm-hmm. those are the kind of friendships. And at least yeah. I think that you need. You need someone who loves you so much that like they can put you in your place and be like, you did something that was inappropriate. Now you need to own up to it. Right. He's not insulting yeah. her. He's just, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And he does it because he, lo- you know, because he cares so much about who she becomes, you know, like yeah. he wants her to be all that she can be. 
Yeah. And it's like yeah. Brene Brown would approve because he's like, you did <laughs> a bad thing. You're not a bad person. Not a bad person. But you right. did yeah. do a bad thing. And it's like, ooh. Yeah. And then showing like people being able to work through that level of accountability yeah. for behavior. Like that's modeling uh-huh. like really positive sort of like conflict resolution in a romantic relationship. Jane Austen is a genius. Should we talk about favorite moments in this film adaptation? Yeah. Um, because there's some, I just want to like shout out. Um, I think, I think this is my favorite character in this movie, which is I fucking love Mrs. Elton. Juliet Stevenson is so funny and so good something whoever did her hair oh my God. like nailed it because she kind of like bobbles her head as she talks about <laughs> and the sucklings um, and she's just so funny and my favorite um i know it's, it differs from the book a little bit because i think harriet is in the scene in the book but there's the tea where emma has the eltons over yeah. for tea oh right not because she wants to but because it's the right thing to do yeah there's just so much awkward silence <laughs> yeah. and this elton has this game i mean jane is such a great comedian she created game like <laughs> she had like games throughout her novels every character right. had a game and mrs elton had the game where she's like i would never say this about myself but my <laughs> friends have said that i have an excellent taste in music um, and uh there's the director i just want to give him a pat on the back douglas mcgrath does such a good job leaving space in the scene where they're having tea and there's just so many awkward silences, mm-hmm. probably like three. Um, and it's so painful and it's so funny. And Mr. Elton can't get a word out because Mrs. Elton is always jumping on top of him. Um, it's so funny. And uh, I think I'll wrap up the point by saying another male director for Jane Austen yeah. film adaptation. Yeah. And he wrote and directed. Just another, it's just like, it's just, I mean, and it, yeah, he, yeah, adapted and directed and he like, uh, I guess it was the nineties and, <laughs> you know, they just weren't giving women yeah. jobs. Any opportunities. And had to step in. Yes. Yeah. That's why Andy Heckerling <laughs> had to sneak in through the back they, door. I think, yeah. So my favorite part is right after Emma insults Mrs. Bate and it's so sad. And then um, Mr. Knightley says, badly done, Emma, badly done indeed. And it just like, I feel like it just shows how much he cares about her in that moment. And I think that's like the biggest turning point in the movie where she is like, shoot, I actually want to be such a good person. And he's like, I just care about this girl so much. And she did something he and I want to help her through it. And I just feel like it's such a raw, real moment that I can see happening in real life. And that's why I just, it felt tangible and I liked it. I love that part too. Yeah. It's like, it's her, it's like Emma's turning point um, as a character. Um, mm-hmm. Excellent choice. Excellent choice. Lexi, what would you say your favorite um, part is in the film adaptation? Yeah, I have to say, I absolutely love the scene when they go um, visit the sick woman. It's um, Emma and Harriet, and they're visiting the sick woman. And then yeah. when they're recounting to Elton, and Harriet's like, "Well, I did this," because Emma's like, "No, remember you did this." And then it like will shoot back to the actual scene where she's like spilling soup or like something <laughs> and things, and she's like, 
it's I think it's so funny like I think that that's such like a comedic element of the movie where it's like oh I am awesome but really here's what I actually did and I'm trying to lie because my friend's telling me to I just love that scene how it like (laughs) switches between the scenes (laughs) yes Tony Collette is so good in this movie and so young oh my gosh um it's so fun to see like the fact that both Gwyneth Paltrow and Tony Collette like are still like acting and where their careers mm-hmm. have gone. You know, mm-hmm. Gwyneth with her popular goop uh, website <laughs> and, and, and Tony Collette directions, really different directions, and Tony <laughs> Collette now being like the queen of horror. Oh my uh, god! <laughs> yeah, but uh, very very fun. Um, I love that. Uh, Nicole, what was your favorite part of the film? So there's a moment where. Um, Emma is asked if she wants to play the piano at the party. And, <laughs> and she's like downplaying it like, oh, not that good. And then they say, well, we could ask Jane. And then it cuts to Emma <laughs> at the piano. Yes. And just yes. the whole scene and interaction with Frank Churchill coming up to sing. Like, I just, I love that like humor and just the, the awkwardness. And yes. the kind of like jealousy that like deep mm-hmm. jealousy that Emma is encountering for the yes. first time. Also in this one, I could see like the, like such a, like, like Frank Churchill made a lot more sense to me in this, in that like we just watched Clueless and Christian is Frank Churchill. And it was oh, like sort yeah. of like, that's, that's kind of a leap. And then watching this, I was like, oh, Frank is making eye contact with Jane. <laughs> Like yeah, while he's yeah. Singing. Right. and it's like he's trying to tell Emma about Jane, and she just like misconstrues it, and you're like, oh, but he was, yeah. you know, he was being funny. <laughs> that seems so funny. Um, my favorite, and I, you know, I just, I just want to see her in everything I possibly can. It's just any scene Miss Bates is in. I love Miss Bates. I love Sophie Thompson. Miss <laughs> Bates the best. Uh, I read that that is her ac- her and Emma Thompson's actual mother <laughs> playing Miss Bates. Oh Bates. my god! No yeah, and I just like, I just freaking love her. I just feel like she's such a talented comedic actress, and she also showed up in the. Uh, what was it? Was it also 1995 Persuasion? Persuasion? Yeah, or 1995 Persuasion. 1995, yeah. yeah. And it's like, she's just so talented. So just any scene with Mrs. Bates, obviously, like, the picnic scene is so heartbreaking. And I never oh, want to yeah. look at it, but it is one of, it is like right. a beautiful scene because Sophie Thompson's per- performance is heartbreaking. Um, yeah. And she's realizing what Emma has said to her. And it's just like, oh, baby, that is like a human moment. Um yeah, so Mrs. Bates, yeah. Mrs. Bates is my favorite part of this adaptation. <laughs> One thing I think is so interesting is that they like make this like I mean the poster and cover is like Emma doing archery and they like add in this archery element which like most definitely is not in the book and it's I I thought it was interesting how many times in the movie they brought in some like activity that they were doing that like definitely wasn't in the book and just because Jane Austen was so concerned with dialogue and conversation that like the context wasn't necessarily as important, but it makes it more interesting to have them like doing archery while having this conversation or playing with puppies like she and Harriet one time yeah, oh, or, yeah. like in the haberdashery. So I, I kind of love that, but it's also funny how much they like played with that in all of the like marketing material, like yeah, made her Cupid, just Cupid. you know? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Yeah, I remember that being like but a again, huge element. Oh yeah, go ahead, go go ahead, Lexi. 
no, I was just going to say, I just love, I love seeing what direct, like how directors um, interpret things, right? Like the Cupid element, like is really obvious, but like so fun that they're like doing archery. And it's also like, <laughs> I, I like that scene too, where as the dialogue progresses and Emma gets more flustered, she like misses and he's like, don't kill my mm-hmm. dogs, you know? And I yes. just like love <laughs> that, even though, you know, it's not in the book or whatever, it's like such a nice way to show like, Emma like is like her her little world her little bubble is getting popped and she's like wait what's going on like I just think that's like it's really cool visual imagery in a movie that I that I appreciate totally 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 um something yeah to like add on to just like the fun little like bits and uh uh in the adaptation that we like um uh, you mentioned the one-liner of like, don't kill my dogs. Um, <laughs> and I, the one-liner that I just want to call out that I'm pretty sure is not in the book, but literally gives me like shivers down my spine is um, again, a nightly one-liner where um, like, they're like, she's like, come dance with me. Like, we're not actually brother and sister. And he goes, oh, yeah. Indeed, we are not. I think yeah, there's like a is... weird pan there too that makes it makes it good as well if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah, there is a weird pan there, definitely. <laughs> yeah, it just feels so because I feel like there's moments that we've probably all experienced where we're like really good friends with someone and we like friends on them in our mind, but then something mm-hmm. changes and it's like almost in an instant. And I feel like that's the moment that Knightley was yeah. like, "Wow, yeah, we're not." Yeah, and I was yeah. just like, it makes me think of. I don't know. It just makes me feel less, like, love less everything about, like, oh, I remember when I wasn't married and those random things would happen. (laughs) (laughs) And I love it, too, because it's, like, they've just, like, so clearly, like, shared a point of view on life. You know, like, you like that so much about love is being, like, oh, we really see this the same way, where it's, like, we're at the party. We we notice that someone who is, like, below our station is alone and being snubbed. And it's really important to both of us that, like, they feel better. Um, and feel included and so it's like also uh, yeah like just so sweet to like see that like shared point of view and then that click for him he's like oh we are um any other hot takes before we count off all the tropes in this one okay one thing and (laughs) i just jane austen is just a really really cool person and i feel like we were lucky enough to really like dive into her life and understand everything but i think all of her heroines are pretty independent and like forward thinking and i think that's just because jane austen was as a person too Mm -hmm. so for me it's really fun and emma to realize like this is someone who Luckily, because of her privilege, she like didn't feel like she had to get married. But I feel like that's yeah. always something that Jane like kind of pushed in her heroines was like they're independent; they don't have to get married mm-hmm. unless they fall in love. Yeah, and so yeah. it's kind yeah. of nice to be like, yeah, like we are independent women, and if we choose to get married because we're in love, we can do that, and that's awesome. But we don't have to. And it's yeah. it's interesting that that's always like a like she makes a point of that in all of her novels. Yeah. And it's yeah. so like, they're so like irreverent towards the norms of the time where it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, this like shows like someone because of a privilege who like doesn't have, like, she doesn't have to get married to anyone, but, um, yeah. but wants to when she mm-hmm. loves and like in persuasion, um, right. We see Anne be persuaded out of marrying for love, but then refusing to marry not for love. And it's like, you see just this like 
just like inner rebellion or Lizzie Bennett, who it's like needs to get married, like for the welfare of her family. And she's like, I just can't do it though. So it's like, <laughs> I love seeing this sort of like rebellious edge of these women who are like willing to risk like huge um, elements of their lives to, um, yeah, to like, to, to stick to this idea that was like super forward thinking and correct. And one that like Jane herself sort of like stuck to. Um, and it's, I mean, again, it's like I, the, through this whole process, it's so beautiful to feel this connected to someone from so long ago who just like, should, yeah. like offers a perspective that like we all identify with today. All right. Now we usually like to end our movie discussions by counting up all the familiar rom-com tropes that we spotted. But for Austin August, are there any particular Austin tropes that we spotted? I'll kick us off. Um, I do sort of a hybrid of Austin and rom-com tropes, but we've got narration. <laughs> it's just that. The rom-com oh, yeah. trope. We have um, a dead parent, which is a trope in rom-coms as well as Jane Austen novels. Um, so Emma's mother um, has died. Um, fake candles. Uh, that's my favorite. <laughs> that's the trope. Keep them coming. I love the big fake flames um the poor to do friend we've got mrs bates we've got um harriet we've got long walks through the pastoral country constantly walking um just like maiden aunt vibes which it's like all of the heroines are sort of like threatening to be maiden aunts like we were just talking about so yeah yeah like lizzie and emma everyone is like i'll just be like a chill aunt who hangs out um uh uh 16 year oh i just wrote down 16 year age different um that's more of a rom-com thing where there's usually a decade between the male and the female lead um every decade hand acting um oh yeah yeah we talk a lot about this there's just like lots of close-ups of like hand acting and austin adaptations and so this time is when Mm -hmm. she's when they're like holding the baby and she's like let's shake hands and be friends um uh this is a rom-com trope but uh it's gonna be the holidays um so it's christmas (laughs) this is more of a rom-com trope um man bugging heroin at party we see this in emma (laughs) we see it with mr collins and pride and prejudice um we see it someone's bugging um one of the daughters in Sense Sensibility at a party. Um, ooh, we meet in the shops during the rain. Um, that also happens in Persuasion, uh, where oh, yeah. she runs into... That's a good call. Yes, yeah. So it's like another classic, lovely thing. Um, big news! Someone's coming to town! Um, Frank Churchill's <laughs> coming to town. Completely <laughs> coming to town. I love big news. Someone's coming to town. Um, the dark horse man that comes to town and is like, turns out to be bad. And he's like very charming and seems perfect and then is bad. And that's Frank Churchill. Not the worst kind, version of this, but you know, that's like our Wickham's, yeah. our Willoughby. Willoughby's, um, et cetera, our Mr. Elliot. Um, oh, and oh yeah, Mr. Elliot. Classic. Um, oh, interrupted in the middle of big news, uh, Frank Churchill's about oh, to yeah. tell. <laughs> Emma, a very important thing gets interrupted and chooses not to finish. Um, and that happens also in Persuasion and um, also in Pride and Prejudice. Um, we've got the fake invalid. This is the dad, the dad who's like the hypochondriac and faking things. Um, just like Mary Elliot. Um, there is a ball. Um, there's going to be a ball. Oh, also a secret engagement. Um, it's always like sort of yes, revealed. There's always a secret engagement. Right. Sensibility. Oh sort of like Charlotte and Mr. Collins, I guess as well. It's like always like revealed. I would say, I would say almost like 
it feels like Lizzie and um, ah. Mr. Darcy have like yeah. it's a secret engagement in that they're engaged. He proposed a secret proposal. proposal yeah. Secret yeah. proposal. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And then also just like being really late to the party on whether or not you're in love with somebody. Um, yeah, that's like, <laughs> it's just, like so funny when someone's like, wait a minute, I'm in love with this person. Um, which is, I feel like that's very Lizzie and very Emma. Um, yeah. So that's what I had. Ali, did I leave you anything? I'm so sorry. You did. You uh, It ends in marriage. Oh, right. It ends in marriage. And what's fun about this movie is it also begins in marriage. Yeah. yeah. Um, I also have an inept matchmaker, <laughs> like someone who thinks they're going to make matches, but they're not. Like, think about Mrs. <laughs> This is Bennett, who's like, oh, yeah, Lizzie and Mr. Collins will make a great match. <laughs> oh, right, like, and Lady Russell. Sure. Lady Russell. And Lady Russell. And she's like, trust me, you and Mr. Elliot, and you and Mr. Elliot, you guys will get along so well. Just kidding. Mr. Elliot is a sack of shit. <laughs> um, definitely, definitely. Um, so, like, poor match, like a person who's a bad matchmaker. Um, you might have gotten... It's in a pastoral setting. Oh, no, I'll I didn't. say, like, yeah, almost all of all of her stuff is in the countryside because that's where um, she grew up. Um, and then I'm trying to think. I was enjoying this movie so much that I wasn't. Were there any geese that like there was? There's a pen oh. of sheep, but there's usually some kind of like farm animal scene where you'll see like a bunch of farm animals around. There were uh, puppies. Yeah, there were puppies. I, there was a pen of sheep, like when they were, when Harriet gets the proposal for Mr. Martin. Um, oh, I'll say bad advice, like friends giving friends bad advice yeah, about yeah. dating. Yeah, yeah, there's like that throughout. Like Emma gives Harriet bad advice. Yeah, Lizzie gives Lady, Charlotte bad advice. Lady Russell, like, yeah, yeah, Lizzie, Lizzie gives Charlotte bad advice. Lady Darcy. Russell gives Anne bad advice. Darcy gives Bingley bad right. advice. Um, a lot of. I mean, I guess Jane's teaching us don't get love advice from your friends. <laughs> um, be wary of that. But yeah, those are the ones I got. Um, did we miss any of you guys that you're like, this one? This might be more of like a romantic era in general trope, but the unknown parentage of um, Harriet, I feel like, yes. is definitely happening. Yeah. No, that feels very correct. Because yeah, we don't know Harriet's parents. It's like, and it's all, yeah. Uh, no, that's, God, that's in one that's on the tip of my tongue. What is it? What is it? Sense and sensibility. There's some, maybe something there. Mm, yeah. Yeah. There is like, mm-hmm. yeah, there's a oh, lot yeah. of sort of like children being like swapped around and like, con- yeah, <laughs> like confused parentage. Even with Frank Churchill, this is the first time I've understood his situation. <laughs> it's like so mr weston's wife died and then he gave frank to his sister to raise oh, yeah what's right. confusing is she he changed his last name which is actually like jane austen's brother um was had like a similar situation where he changed mm-hmm. his last name to knight because he was raised by a rich family oh <gasps> what a slap in the face to your Blood family. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Kept Austin wow. as a middle name. <laughs> How kind of him. How kind. <laughs> um, amazing. Any others before we move on? Um, great. Well, that takes us to 23 yeah. Austin tropes slash rom-com wow. tropes, which I can't Not stop from that. No, really good. 23. That's like really in a groove. That's here. good. Um, okay. Well, now that that's taken care of, it's time to rate this Austin adaptation. 
as of now, we have Amy Heckerling's modern day adaptation of Emma, Clueless in the number one slot, Dear and Michelle's adaptation of Persuasion in the number two slot, and Joe Wright's adaptation of Pride and Prejudice at number three. But where do we think McGrath's 1996 adaptation of Emma falls? And folks, um, who are you who are joining us today? Um, this has been a bit of a tumultuous ranking. Uh, this <laughs> it sounds like it. I think we might be a little shocked at that right, number three spot. Right, right. <laughs> Thank you. Chaos. Thank you and for saying that. Ellen decided to have you on because she's been absolutely uh, like forced into a corner. And um, I'll hear you say it's fair game. It's fair game for reordering. Let the chips fall where they may. Um, right now it's clueless persuasion and pride and prejudice. And we're looking to A, place Emma and B, sure like let's let's see who gets strong-armed in which way today now <laughs> and, and i'll and maybe we'll toss it to you guys to just like if you had to rank these four movies how would you rank them in terms of and this is what we should all remember it's not like what our favorite movies are but what we think are like the best adaptations and what gets complex Ooh. is what makes something a good yeah. adaptation is it something <laughs> that takes a risk and, you know, adds their own personal flair? Or is it the people that just follow it by the book, the faithful? Um, So um, I'll throw this first to Devin. Devin, how would you rank these four films? Okay, this is so hard because of what you you just said. Because I feel like what you think is a good adaptation is so emotional to someone personally. Everyone's going to hate me, but I'm going to say Emma first. Okay. And then <laughs> I just love Emma so much. And then Pride and Prejudice, Clueless, and Persuasion. Okay, interesting. I'm sorry, guys. I know Nicole's okay. maybe sad about the last one. I just no, I'm not. Oh, okay. so I don't know should... why everyone yeah. thinks I love Persuasion because I really don't. <laughs> we knew the most about it when we went to yeah. the, when we went to Bath. <laughs> we were like Nicole, you love Persuasion, right? <laughs> Tell us more. Oh my god. Well, so I am really excited they're making two new persuasions because for yes. me, a good persuasion adaptation will make me like it. <laughs> <laughs> What's the, I know they're making a Dakota Johnson Yeah, I'm persuasion. not sure how I feel about that one. The other yeah. one looks a little more interesting to me. It's like Sarah Snook and Joel Fry. Oh, I, gonna... I, think, I think are their names. Persuasion yeah. adaptation. Don't worry, you guys. I'm the resident adaptation stan. Or sorry, persuasion stan. So we'll don't worry. We'll all cover. Every group needs one. We'll <laughs> <work>. <laughs> she said every group needs one. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And I'm your persuasion gal. Uh, but um, okay, great. Okay, so we have okay, so we have Devin. So Nicole, you're not a persuasion stan. What how would you rank these four? Um, I think I would put Pride and Prejudice first, then Clueless, then Emma, then Persuasion. Damn, okay, interesting. interesting. <laughs> yeah, I'm seeing a pattern what, here. What algorithm do you have? <laughs> Mia's, Mia's like pushing buttons. You guys can't see it right now, but Mia's pushing buttons into a, a highly advanced computer. Um, he's wearing a bonnet and will uh, compute the average of all of our rankings. The computer's and- wearing a bonnet or Mia's wearing a bonnet? Both. are wearing matching bonnets. <laughs> Um, uh, okay, that's thing. That's thing. This is getting really, really sort of like saucy and interesting. Lexi, where do you weigh in <laughs> on the four on the four ranking? Okay, I'm almost the same as Nicole, except I think 
maybe this is crazy, but I think I like persuasion more than mm. Emma. So I would go, oh <laughs> I would go, let's see, um, Pride and Prejudice, like Clueless, um, and then Persuasion and then Emma, I think. <laughs> this like feels like a personal attack. <laughs> no, 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 no. no. It's I... the 2019 version was in the mix, so we'd have a different story. Wow. Okay, okay. Incredible spread. <laughs> it's not that I don't like Emma. It's I I actually just really liked the uh is it the 2009 Persuasion? What which one am I thinking of? Oh, with Sally Hawkins. Yes, yes. I just like her. I don't know. She's good. <laughs> She's got some dramatic scenes in there. <laughs> wow if anything this is like really comforting because i was like me and i like are so like not on the same page and the fact that none of you guys have really like agreed um it's really quite comforting and i feel like mia our friendship can continue if we could last two weeks in england you know with all of our different opinions, together yeah i think that you guys are gonna be just fine yeah, absolutely, absolutely fine until the next guest takes my side, which is I would obviously. Okay, I think I'm gonna make. Uh, this is so hard. Okay, I mean it's not for me, but I would. Okay, I know I'm I'm the dark horse from out of town who's good on paper, and then you turn out the bad person because I rank them persuasion, clueless, and my pride and prejudice. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh my god fighting words and that's just how fighting i feel words. and that's you know and that's um and that's Own sort it. of where Own i'm it. at and ali where are you coming in this fine day okay well yeah i again don't really agree with anyone but i do agree that it's it's pride and prejudice emma persuasion clueless <gasps> Wow, we are all different. Every single one of these were different. That's crazy. All different. But it sounds how many like possibilities were there? Do the do, yeah? Do the prides and prejudices have it for the number one slot? I think, I think so. There so. are three. There are three pride and prejudices, <laughs> and there's one where it's second place, and then Mia has it. In last. <laughs> <laughs> um, and unfortunately, that's not like weighted. So yeah, I think the I think the the first spot can just sort of have it. That's fine. That's fine. I know my truth, and I'll stick to it. But I absolutely. <laughs> Um, know how to like resolve a conflict as an adult you know which is compromise so absolutely so we'll go there okay now number two was interesting that seemed to be like yeah a lot no i well i will say it doesn't sound like the persuasions have it um (laughs) what what did we feel was like strongly number two it was sort of emma v clueless yeah it's either emma or clueless if i'm doing the math correctly which is not true i'm not doing any math i'm just generally (laughs) looking at everybody's votes yeah, I would say it was either Emma or Clueless. Oh, the Clueless has like it. Clu- yeah, I think Clueless has it. And then Emma. And then, <laughs> yeah, and then we don't have to count because then we know it's Emma. <laughs> and then, and then we know it's Persuasion, which is so weird that that happened, but I guess. <laughs> that, <laughs> is, I mean, I that, that was my ranking. That was my exact <laughs> ranking. So. <laughs> I have influence here. Wait, really? <laughs> oh my God, you, had, you called it exactly right? Okay, wow. Yes. Your your prize is um is to to become the resident the what? Good sense. 
I said good sense. Good what was yours? <laughs> what price I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> oh my gosh, a tragic defeat for the persuasions. But I know, um, I know you're all out there with me, just taking this one, taking the L, and thinking, "Don't worry, Mia, we get you." We like the shots of the low budget sheep too. Um, <laughs> it can. Well, well, even though Mia might be living in a different reality than the rest of us, so I think it's time for our final segment a reality check where in this segment we test out the tropes and plot devices and rom-coms we've just watched to see if they hold up in the real world uh a plot device we see in a lot of austin novels is that of the matchmaker we see it with mrs bennett mrs jennings and of course with emma but have any of us tried to play matchmaker in our own lives and how did it turn out i think this one should maybe first go to devin um our resident matchmaker yes so i literally this is why i feel like i am emma one of the reasons is because i try to set everyone up with everyone like if you are single i will find you a match she hasn't done it for me yet Baby steps, Nicole. (laughs) But yeah, so I've like literally almost set up every single one of my friends. And I would say 80% of the time it ends like really poorly. And the fact (laughs) that like either like someone always gets either heartbroken or I know it's actually always so sad. I'm like, dang it. Or (laughs) people are like, what would ever make you think that I would like this person? Like, <laughs> just like so deeply offended that yeah either someone's offended or someone's crying so the only time it worked was with Lexi and they got married and, and it was she did it twice it didn't work the first time and then a year and a half later she tried it again with the same guy and it worked same guy oh. I think that's pretty cool Deb same guy same guy wait same first, guy just different time just uh-huh. different times and Devin's <gasps> exact words were Lex, I just think maybe right guy, wrong time. And I said, all right, let's give it another shot. Oh, my what? gosh. That's oh, incredible. Oh, my gosh. Wait, can we have, like, like a truncated version of the deets? Like, what had changed? <laughs> That's over so rom-com. I love it. It's very when Harry met Sally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, yeah, I haven't seen that, but I should see it. Oh, you got it. Yeah, yeah. you love it. Oh, so good. Um, okay, let's yeah. give us the story. Well, okay, so I really, really short version of the story is I, um, his name's Dean. I met Dean while visiting Devin in Montana. Um, And then uh, when we were back at college and school started up again, um, Devin was like, hey, you guys should go out. We went out a couple of times and I was like, I got to go. I got to go find myself. So I ended up moving away after graduation, (gasps) um, went to went to Paris for a minute Oh, um, wow. in California for a little bit. And then, um, after I had some more life experience in my belt, I came, I ended up coming back, uh, to Utah. And then I was like, I don't know what to do with myself now because I I've gone off. I thought I was going to maybe fall in love, you know, abroad and it in didn't Paris. happen <laughs> Yeah, in Paris. And it, I was like, what do I do now? And then, um, Devin actually messaged me and was like, Hey, have you talked to Dean? And I was like, I haven't talked to Dean for a year and a half. Where, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, I, was just think, I was just thinking about him. I was just thinking about you guys. Maybe you should give another shot. <laughs> oh, and, my God. Um, Devin's yeah. such an Emma. <laughs> yeah, <no. laughs> yeah, it was pretty great. And then we dated. And then, um, yeah, we, we got married just last last summer. 
was it last? And it was, was so Jane Austen. She wore a puffy dress, and it was in the middle of a field, and she had braid plates, and it was adorable. Oh my yeah. god! During COVID, gosh. we had ten people there. Oh, yeah, it was it was great. Just so like I saw pictures. Emma. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's incredible. Um, that's it wow. was. They're really really good for each other. Oh, yeah, Devin knew. So Devin beautiful. knew what I could not know until it was oh, time. That is so sweet. That's um, that's yeah. amazing. I absolutely cannot top it. No, I have not played matchmaker. <laughs> no, no, no. Pass, pass for me. I haven't done it. Um, very <laughs> even when mutual acquaintances like come to me and are like, we, should we go out? I'm like, I have no idea. That, um, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> um, has anyone else? Mine have ended uh, poorly. Yeah, I, I got blamed for a breakup because I set them up. And I'm like, no, no, no. That's on you. So. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, my gosh. I can't believe they're like made you the scapegoat. Yeah, you yeah. probably yeah. had deeper issues. Yeah, there was some trauma there. Yeah. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah. Yeah. I've never played matchmaker... Because usually I just try to date the person myself. I'll match make myself. Um, that'll show you what kind of friend I am. But uh, yeah, I have been set up. Like people have matched me with other people and I'm grateful to them. Um, not that selfless. Uh, but uh, yeah, they've never, they've never hit. It's it's hard, guys. Dating's hard. Yeah. Um, well, it seems like, at least uh, <laughs> in Devin's case, <laughs> that reality checks out, and that uh, we have a very talented matchmaker in our midst. Um, <laughs> thank you, thank you. Snaps for Devin. Snaps for Devin. Snaps for Devin. Yes. <laughs> And you guys, sadly, that is the end of our pod. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Thank, Thank you so you. much for having us. This was such a blast. Oh. Such a treat for now, us to have such you... experts on. Um, we so enjoy your book. Oh, thank, thank you guys you. so much for coming out. And then Devin, Nicole, and Lexi, do you guys have anything that you'd like to promote? Social media? Mm-hmm. Um, and then also any romance advice for our listeners. <laughs> and we'll start with Devin. Okay, so anyone listening to this, you first, no matter what, need to follow us on Instagram because we have amazing content. I'm a little biased, but we, we do. do. So <laughs> Lexi, if you're listening and you don't like I know you understand it's an illustrated travel guide but it Lexi is one of the most talented illustrators <laughs> ever and it literally is like pure gold and so our Instagram it has all Jane Austen goodness but a lot of it is Lexi's illustrations too and so please take a look it's at Jane Austen was here and where it's Jane was here and there you can directly go and buy our book on a link you can also buy our book on amazon target.com barnes and noble really whatever and it the book is called jane was here an illustrated guide to jane austen's england and it's the perfect coffee book it's the perfect 
gift to anyone. It's just yes. to learn about Jane and anything. Like literally, I'm biased, but I'm obsessed with it. So. <laughs> <laughs> and then my romance advice to people is, oh gosh, I I am <laughs> just gotta be yourself, but sometimes you gotta be a little forward too. So like, <laughs> I'm let him know. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> That's awesome. Awesome. Um, Lexi, Lexi, uh, do you have anything to promote and important romance advice? You know what? Nothing, nothing to promote. Devin said it all. Um, my romance advice um, is really cheesy. Love yourself first. Mm. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, Lex. So true. Very, very true. And Nicole, want to wrap us up? Yeah, um, if anyone here listening is on TikTok, I've been doing a few things with our book and little free libraries <gasps> around, and it's at underscore Jane was here on TikTok, and it's been it's been fun. They're um, very we dropped, fun. Yeah, we've dropped um, copies of our book with notes in it in little free libraries around the country. <gasps> and so um, cool. you know, I'm probably the least qualified person here to give advice, but I'm working on taking Devin's advice and being forward and it's going okay. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, actually just texted me, so Oh my gosh. Well, thank you guys so much for that advice. And thank you all for listening to the podcast. We have a new episode out every week. And remember to subscribe and rate. And we are brought to you by Campfire Media. And P.S. I love rom coms. I love rom coms. Hey, Oscar, Rachel, do you like Disney movies? Yeah. yeah. Have you seen all of them? Yeah, we saw all the Disney animated movies. And we saw all the Pixar animated movies, too. How about the DCOMs? What? The Disney Channel original movies. You should listen to our podcast, Inside the Disney Vault, because we are watching all of them in chronological order. Yeah, and we do fun segments, like we cast each other. That's right, and my favorite segment, Zaddy Watch, where we rank every single DCOM daddy. Ooh, you can listen to all this fun stuff on our podcast, Inside the Disney Vault on Campfire Media, wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, guys, let's get back in the vault. It's cold out here. Campfire.